0: Thank you, Lord, once again for uh, for bringing everybody here on a uh, on a cold Sunday morning. I pray, Lord, that uh, that Your Word would uh, would help to warm us. That the words spoken today would be edifying um, uh, and enlightening, according to Your will. Uh, Again, we've got some interesting things to discuss today, and I pray, Lord, that you would uh, that you would open everyone's heart to to be receiving of Your Word, and that uh, that as you have instructed us, and as we'll see today, that uh, there is um, work to be done. And I pray, Lord, that we would be eager and willing to perform those works in Your name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, I was hoping today was going to be the last one. I don't mean hoping in the in the extent that I don't like doing this, but it's uh, it's probably dragging on for some of you. But uh, although I've been enjoying it, I, I think I might actually need one more after this. Uh, apologies, it'll be ten sessions in total for a total of twenty five verses. Um, I. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, very quick-witted. I like that. Um, no, I appreciate that. I, I was going to do uh, twenty-three to twenty-five, but in in doing additional study uh, just on the, the the verse twenty-three that we were going to uh, start with today, um, it sort of opened my eyes a lot more. Or the Holy Spirit sort of led me to, to picking up on a lot more that I even missed the you know four hundred times that I've been through this over the last two and a half months. And uh, and I think. Circling back through from twenty to twenty three um, being this this assurance and this comfort that we 've got, uh, and then using that to uh, to to go back and actually look through the epistle through a very different lens is uh, is going to be an interesting journey, but um, bear with me i 'm um, hoping it's going to be uh, ed- educational for everybody if not enlightening and uh, and hopefully yeah we can all take something away from it, but appreciate uh, everyone hanging in there all right so just as a as a, a, a recap, and I know we've been through this a million and one times, but but again, what we're looking at here is very much going to be a summary and reflection on what we know, and it and it echoes a lot of what Jude has done throughout his epistle, in which he um, and we'll look at a lot of the references in which he is asking us to recall things, or so he's asking the individuals that he's write, written this epistle to, to remember certain things throughout the Bible. Even within his epistle, we can remember certain things within it, and I'll call that to, uh, to recollection as, as we touch upon those. But ultimately, breaking this up into certain sections, we have an introduction, and c- again, keeping in this, uh, this opening charge of earnestly contending for the faith, that is exactly what we're going to do down here in the verses that we look at today. Um, again, we've had this huge chunk of the epistle devoted to examples and descriptions of these individuals that have crept in that we'll call interlopers for the, for the sake of convenience. That word itself is not in in any of the passages we look at, but I'll just use that as a sort of a a shorthand for for these people as he keeps referencing them through the epistle. And then what we've got here is effectively an echo of what we've got in 5 to 13, but 14 to 19 is prophetic. So everything that we've got here as far as examples and descriptions, although they've come from uh, the the, the Old Testament scriptures in, in, uh, in Hebrew, Um, We've also got extra canonical literature in the Testament of Moses and the book of Enoch. (coughs) We've got those that sit within these examples and descriptions and they're repeated over and over again. There's different levels of severity. There's different levels of divine judgment. But ultimately, it all comes down to the same thing. It's the attitudes and behaviors of these individuals and their ultimate condemnation. All right. Then we come to the prophecies of God's divine judgment from 14 to 19 again there's another quote from the book of Enoch but there is a very clever uh, use of words here Uh, although Jude quotes directly from it and we did look at it in detail back then um, but we'll we'll touch upon the items that are necessary for what we're looking at today he he, he switches certain words he changes the context and he changes the timing of it it's very very deliberate very subtle but very deliberate A a repeat of why we need to earnestly contend for the faith, this opening charge, this, this need for exhortation, what we need to do. And then he jumps into another set of prophecies, this time being apostolic prophecies coming from the apostles that are, that are in the preceding letters in the New Testament. Again, you know, the New Testament, not in chronological order, um, uh, but you know, other letters and other uh, books that would have been known at the time. Um, he's calling us to recollect these prophecies here. And after all of that, he then jumps into exhortations, which is, which is what we are to do with all of this information, the, the application here, and it's a defence against these interlopers. And I've given that title sort of as a, as a bit of a subtlety, and we, we touched upon it last week, in which, well, our defence is really an offence here. It's what are we to do to get on the front foot? And although, you know, the, 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 the ego in us would have us, you know, charge headlong into battle, fighting on our own, uh, on our own standards, on our, on our own merit. Uh, Jude has us take a step back and focus on our faith and calls again very specifically what he referred to in verse 3 as the faith, calls it very specifically to be your faith. And I won't say our faith because it's very specific, it's your faith, it's all of yours including mine, but it's not a collective faith, it's your personal faith that we need to fight for here. But the way that we fight for it is not the way that you would like to think of it, again looking at all of the examples of, of God's pronouncement of divine judgment. Ours is not that, and, and we'll look very heavily into that one today. And the doxology I was going to do today, but, but just given sort of what I wanted to get into with regards to the um, exhortations and what we're to do, and just to reiterate and call out a few more things that have sort of popped up over the last week, uh, I think we'll spend our time from 20 to 23, but we'll definitely be going through uh, 23, which is the one that we didn't go through last week in a little bit of detail as well. <coughs> so this is a slide from last week. I might go into the definitions, but what I will do is read from 20 to twenty. Three today just so we can remind ourselves of of what's there Um, and this is basically 20 to 21 is what we're to do and 20 to 23 is what we are to do for others with that faith so in the book of Jude starting verse 20 but ye beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life so that's what we're to do to build up our faith to build ourselves up in our or in your most holy faith. And then 22, and of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That is what we're to do for others. And 23 can be a challenging one. And when I first read it, to, to, to having read it multiple times during, uh, during the, the preparation for these Bible studies and even reading it last night, the, the the depth of verse 23 is is very confronting and there's a lot to it. Um, I, I don't think I'll be able to do it all justice here but but I think what I'm really enjoying and, and what I'm hoping is sort of becoming a, um, a, a bit of a joy for everybody that's attending these sessions as well is the depth to which Jude can you know in a simple sentence recall very vivid imagery um, that, that can really resonate I think with with anybody from many walks of life. But, uh, but 23 specifically is, is quite an interesting one and, and I want to go through that today. <clears throat> the reason I, um, I bring up 22 and I don't want to spend any time breaking it down because we definitely did it last week, but it was just as a reminder that although you know the King James Version is, is, is what our church follows and it is an absolutely beautiful translation and, and there have been many times comparing. Um, the the King James to many other Bibles just through study and things like that it just the the poetry that exists within it is absolutely amazing but what I wanted to highlight through uh, bringing up sort of I guess the four separate translations that we had on this one verse here uh, just to remind everyone why we had that last week was that you know we we are talking ancient Greek here um, and a translation from one language into another and Jude has has used a lot of wordplay. There's a lot of double entendres. Again, not in the not in the way that we would sort of perceive that word today. Not in a, not in a sexual matter, but a double play on words. Um, there are a lot of um, uh, uh, plays on words, subtleties and tricks of the languages that he uses to change context, to change um, a, a noun into a verb, to change a verb into an adverb. And we've looked at a lot of those examples through the time. Being able to then translate in that into English and also have a version of English that is you know, in the King James, quite far removed from the English that we use today, things can get lost in translation, as it were. And that is not to say that the message of the Bible is lost in translation. That is absolutely not what I want anyone to take away from that. The message is the same. The message is, is, is solid. It is complete and we can stand upon it. And that is what Jude is telling us. But that said, looking at some other translations can just help edify and uh, unlock some things for us that, that, that maybe we hadn't seen before. So, again, looking at verse 22, we had, and of some have compassion making a difference, which, again, you you would recall or you would bring into account into your mind a particular, uh, you know, application for that. But in having a look at a lot of the definitions and and having a look at what the, the common current definitions are here, it is have mercy on some who are doubting. Rather than making a difference, that difference there in that translation, it is an accurate translation to have. But when we looked at the word difference and the difficulties in translating it, that there are 19 different words in the New Testament from this root word, which can be as different from separate, to oppose, to judge, to discern, to hesitate, to doubt, to stagger, to waver. Again, the one highlighted here in in red is the preferred translation across this, um, across each of the verses, but difference was the old English word for for this doubt that had crept um, in for these individuals. So, Again, looking at these other translations uh, is, is edifying to the extent that we can see, I guess, um, uh, a more common English tongue version of, of what's happening here. The reason I want to bring that up is that if we can get over that mental hurdle with regards to verse 22, uh, 23 becomes a little bit more complicated in that regard, which is why I wanted to leave it for um, a separate session. <coughs> so what we've got in verse 22 to 23... Uh, what we would assume based on the two verses to be groups of people that we can look at and of some have compassion making a difference, being one group. So the question I've got up on, the, up on the screen here, and no need to shout out any answers, we'll go through some things, but, but how many groups of individuals are we talking about in verse 23? And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now when we combine verse 22 and 23 in the King James, you really get a feel that there's two groups of individuals here. Okay, you've got those that are doubting, so those that are that, that are having this difference, those that are doubting, and others save with peer, fear. So what we're to do to them? Save them with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Realistically, being one group here. But if we have a look at other translations and and uh, I guess a deeper understanding of what the ancient Greek was doing over the many years since the King James been, has been written. And again, I'm not taking anything away here. This is not a a correction of anything that's in the Bible. I'd, I'd never be so bold as to ever speak those words. What I'm, what I'm going to present, and, and as I did with the last verse, none of this changes what we're talking about here. Whether it's one group, 18 groups, 400 groups, the message is identical. The only reason that I'm, I'm sort of breaking it up into these groups is just for the convenience of conversation and being able to present it to everyone here. I'm not changing any of this, so please... Um, and I'm happy to talk this through in greater detail with anyone, but uh, just, just know that I'm not changing its definition at any point. It is purely to, to, to add to the groupings that we've got here. Yes. Yeah, you take the the, the, the the versus they's versus the. It, it, it There is definitely, in, in you know, just in the many years and decades, if not hundreds of years that have occurred since this translation, English has moved on. So, yes, they they would have understood this, and the amount of effort that went into the King James alone is absolutely incredible. So, again, it's not an, it's not an error, but that translation that would have made sense back then also needs a bit of a step to get it to resonate with today's society. There are many times that you'll come across a verse or... or a a, a chapter that you'll read and go, I don't know what this is on about, Um, and I've got to do a little bit more more depth and understanding. So I've kind of done that on behalf of everyone, and then comparing that to other versions, different translations, and more common tongue translations, common in today's uh, uh, context, um, to be able to to, to pull that out. So thank you for for clarifying. But yes, it's it's more a, let's let's try and take the language that we've got here, because it's so detailed and, and so tricky to have translated to begin with into English, let alone the fact that now we've got to make a time jump from when this was translated to today. So, again, reading the King James, you would take verse 23 and you would say that's one group of individuals. Um, so, the King James, we have, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. In the new King James, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Again, You know, an updated terminology from spotted to defiled. Back in the day, spotted, everyone would have understood that. Defiled makes just that little bit more sense today. (coughs) In the NASB, we have save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some, have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. And in the NIV, save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now, I'm not going to make any judgment calls on which is better, which is worse, which is a more accurate translation of uh, an English translation of, of very tricky ancient Greek text. That's not my place to talk. But how many groups do we have? Well, in the top two, we've got one. And in the bottom two, we've got two. Now, given all we know about Jude and his absolute love for triplets and embedding them everywhere... To make it easier to have this conversation and move through some of these the translation that we've got in the nasb having them as three separate groups again parallels with all of the examples that we've seen so far in jude we've got a group in verse 22 which is those individuals that are doubting here we've got save others snatching them from the fire these guys have gotten a little bit closer further down that path and then to others show mercy mixed with fear now we'll look at this word fear in a little bit more detail but these, these individuals have, have walked far enough away from the Lord that even their garments have been polluted, okay? And the, and the garments we're referring to here are undergarments, and again, we'll get in, 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 into further detail here. And if we look at all of the triplets that he's got as examples from verse 5 to, where are we? to, verse five to, to 13, so before we get into any of the prophetic stuff, from verse 5 to, to 14, sorry, 5 to 13, all of the triplets that he's got are escalating examples of sin and escalating examples of divine judgment. And here we have an application for us to do and reach out with mercy and, and, and the grace gifts. And again, we'll, we'll go through this, but what are we to do? We're to reach out to these examples of three groups, each one with a greater deal of sin and, and distancing themselves from, from the Lord. Um, so again, uh, whether or not you 're in the, the camp of, of, of leaving verse twenty three and one or ha, uh, you know, having verse uh, twenty two and twenty three as, as one group each or having 20, verse twenty three split into two groups of individuals and having them as threes it doesn 't change anything we 'll still talk about the same words we 'll still talk about what it means in its context. I just like the idea that it fits into this triplet and it seems to resonate with everything that Jude 's spoken about previously. yes. Okay, there you go. Yeah, uh, no, uh, there are, there are. I could have gone on and on and on for multiple sides, but yeah. Yes, yeah, So a lot of a lot of translations, uh, a lot of more modern translations do have triplets as as part of it. But again, I'm not wanting to to, to bring anything into to disrepute or, uh, or or make claims in in any other direction. So. Um, so again, where what, what camp you sit in, it's irrelevant for the purposes of what we're going to look at any further. I just wanted to highlight the fact that there is this potential other triplet that's kind of hidden uh, within, within the verses 22 to 23, which I hadn't originally seen on its first reading and has sort of come out through the through the study I've done. So again, I personally believe that there's this group too. It does not change anything. There are even others that would argue that the garment defiled by the flesh constitutes a fourth group, a very minor group of individuals that would do so. But again, you've got, you've got books and things written for that would fill libraries on, on many of the arguments that could be had, even on just this epistle alone. So, now that we've got that, that part out of the way, we can go to... Uh, so, rather than getting sort of bogged down in the specifics of translations or what Bible editions, let's just focus on what Jude's talking about here. So, here we have... So, we're, we're looking in verse 23, "...and others save with fear." So... Regardless of, of, of what camp you're in, we are saving others with fear here. So again, we have another imperative verb, and we looked at that last week. These are things that we are to do. The imperative verbs that we had were in verse 20 and 21, which was uh, what we are to do to build ourselves up in our faith. We are to be praying, to be keeping, and to be looking. Those were the three triplets, or the, they, sorry, they were the triplet that he used in verse 20 to 21 of what we are to do. They were in imperative verbs, and they're very specific Greek terms that he used were not a "do it now and it's done forever," uh, "do it later on." It was "be doing it now and be doing it forever until the return of the Lord." They were very specific. Again, in Greek, you've got a lot of very subtle tricks of language. Um, where if, if we were saying "looking," what would that be? I could, I could, look, I could be looking now. I could look later, but I am to be looking for the Lord. I could do it in my own time when I feel like it. The terminology that's used here—they are imperative verbs. They had to be. Actively doing it now, and to continue to do it is is the context here. And he repeats the same imperative verbs within this of what we are to do for others, right? So we are to be saving here, where this is this is uh, in its context to protect, to heal, to make whole. This is not us saving anyone, and this can be a stumbling rock for other people as well. Only Christ can save. We are not able to save anybody here. The, 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 the term that's being here is, is to, to, to pull an individual, to snatch them out of what they're doing, to pull them away from what they're walking towards or, or what their ear is inclining them to hear. We, we are to be saving them from that. And we're not saving their soul here. Uh, only the Lord can do that. But they're not going to come to Christ if they're following and wandering down other paths. So we're to, we're to take them by the hand and, and, to, and to save them here. <coughs> so that's the term that we've, we, we've got um, oh, Sorry, in, in saving and pulling. Sorry, I think I've got one of my pages out of whack. I have, my apologies. Sorry, again, for the purposes of what I needed to talk about here, um, I've broken up the terms or the grouping of, of individuals. So the reason why I needed to be able to emphasise that I'd broken it up, and I apologise, it's, it's, it's been a late night, um, the, the breaking up into the two groups, the reason I want to emphasise that is because I'm going to discuss them as if they were two groups. Again, it doesn't change any of it. The words all exist as they do in the King James Version. It's just for the purposes, but my, the order of my words will be a little different as opposed to being able to follow it through chronologically like I have with every other verse. So, um, so the snatching is, 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 is this concept of saving um, um, uh, in the terminology. So if we have a look... Sorry, apologies, I'm all over the place here. Yeah. At the NASB, we've got save others, snatching them out of the fire. Let's say we're talking about that group right here. This is the save that I'm making reference to here. It is the same as save here, but the fear part that I'm putting is is going to come back here in our translation. So I'm going to talk about save here, and then we're talking about pulling here. So we've sort of skipped the word fear. We're going save, pulling them out of the fire, save others, snatching them out of the fire. So you can see here I'm not omitting anything, I'm not changing anything, I'm moving fear towards the back. It is still part of the same sentence and whether it's one group or two group does not change anything. So we have this concept of of, of saving and then we have pulling. So snatching, pulling, taking by force, another imperative word. So we had to save individuals and we had to pull them away from what they're, what they're walking towards or what they're listening to. Now this is the one that we need to spend a little bit more time in and again this comes down to the way that I've broken it up and I put the sentence up the top so it makes a little bit more sense as to why we're looking at the words we are. And of some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now, it's around the wrong way. Sorry, it gets very confusing here. What I wanted to focus on here was where we were talking about the word fire. And I don't have a translation up there because fire is fire. It is the same thing. But I'm wondering as we read this, and I, I, I fell into this as well, and it's a, it's a very different way of looking at this, we're talking about pulling individuals out of the fire. I'm assuming, and, and I'll put my hand up as being the first one to do it, that when we talk about pulling individuals out of their fire, I could have a raise of hands of how many people assume that was hellfire. I'm assuming most people's minds went there at some stage, <clears throat> and in, in doing a lot of Uh, a a study into this something that became very apparent with a lot of the sort of the more well-versed commentators around this time period specifically and we did a lot of work around putting this into its context did anybody have the concept of a campfire or someone's home fire or a church fire because where we are at that point in time uh, a lot of these things would have been held outside or in people's homes these would have been intimate moments around fire where the gospel was shared, where interpretations of the gospel were shared. So although it might be easy for us to think it's pulling them out of the fire, we've helped bring them away from the, you know, the hellfire and damnation. Only Christ does that. and We've seen that repeatedly, even with verse 9, where Michael didn't even dare put, put Satan down when he, was, when he was having a go at Moses and saying, he's mine. We're not to be doing anything in our own power but for what we talk about here in Jude and, and what the Bible tells us. We're not saving anyone here. We're not saving anyone's soul. We can educate. We can have compassion and we can do all the things that we need to do that Jude talks about in these verses. But We're not saving anyone here in the context of saving a soul. We can still save to, this, to the extent that we're protecting. We're healing. We're making whole. We can edify. We can be there for individuals that have lost their way. Rather than, rather than calling attention to the fact that they've wandered off the path for making them feel bad, for, for doing any of these things. The fire that we're talking about here could be as simple as a campfire, pulling them away from the context of a conversation that is not edifying, that does not glory God, that starts to sway or deviate towards a position that is standing in opposition to the word here. We're talking about these interlopers that have crept in unawares. Are they holding... A conversation over a campfire. Are they holding a conversation in someone's home? Are they holding a conversation in their own home around a fire where we are to snatch them away from that, to bring them away with our words, and how we go about doing that? We'll look at, at, at some examples as we move on. But this concept, I think, we, we again the ego creeps in, and you think, with okay, I've got to snatch these individuals from the fire. That's on my shoulders, is it? Yes. If I'm a campfire, i on roasting I've got to snatch them. Exactly right, and how are we to snatch? well, uh, as one of the commentators put it, the, the, you know if we 're going fishing, this is, this is the best lure we'll ever have, and it's not a lure, it's not a, it's not a false promise here. This is, this is actual uh, you know th- th- this is the word of the Lord, this is the truth that we're to snatch them away from we 're not to do it under our own power. As, as evidenced by what Michael did in the positive and what we had in all the examples from five to seven in the negative, where people didn't contend for the faith and they tried to find these things under their own, uh, under their own volition. <coughs> we are to save others, snatching them from the fire. We are to pull them away from these things that are unedifying for them. Again, uh, this concept of fire, that's, that's, a, that's a me uh, injecting that through other commentaries and through other things that I've seen. But it is an interesting thing because I think most people will automatically go to hellfire and I think in a subtler context, it's probably more difficult to do that. It's easier to think that we can be the white knight charging in when something's very obvious and we can pull someone away from it. But it's a lot harder when it's a conversation with multiple people around a fire and you're the only one standing in opposition and you're trying to convince others to follow you. It's, it's subtler, but it's harder to do. And that's what we're talking about here. These are the difficult things to do off the back of these interlopers that have come in and are doing subtle things to pull people away, subtle things to erode confidence in the Bible, subtle things to erode the authority that the Lord has over us. Again, verse 1, straight at the beginning, Jude is the servant of Jesus Christ. He is fully aware of the authority that God has over him. And it is an undermining of that that leads people away for it. Is that, God, is that what God wants you to do? Do you need to do that? Aren't you already saved? Do you need to follow all of these rules? There's temptation that creeps in and being able to pull people away from that is what I believe we're talking about here now again um, I see pastors come in and looks a bit confused maybe by the fact that there's other bible verses on the screen so I'll explain later don't be upset with me please <laughs> so um, again we're not taking anything away it is it is the the difference in being able to group these so again we've looked at save others snatching them out of the fire again all we've done is skip fear and push it back here and look at it in the context of it potentially being a triplet here. Um, with, with 22 to 23. And if some have mercy with fear, heeding, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. I'll put it up here so that we can break it down. Mercy. This is the exact same Greek word as it exists in verse 2 and 21. In verse 2, it is in the context of a blessing. Jude is asking for mercy, peace and love, these grace gifts in a triplet to be multiplied unto us. Okay. <clears throat> in verse 21, we are to look for the mercy Of the Lord Jesus Christ. So at the beginning, we're to be blessed with it, we're to receive it, we're to be looking for it in its second coming, and then we are to push it out to others. This is our responsibility here from 22 to 23. This is what we're to do with our grace gifts, the things that we have been blessed with. So this mercy is to be pushed out on others. It's the exact same word. Now, this is another interesting one where we have another double entendre, a double usage of the word. We have looked at this word previously. I believe it was in verse 12. Okay, So we've got this word of fear, which is fright, fear, terror, whatever you want it to be. The double entendre here is that it is also a reverence towards God, and we looked at that in Ephesians 5.21 when we looked back at, at verse 12. So in comparison to verse 12, which is an adverb here, which takes fear and turns it into fearlessly. It adds a neg- negative particle to it. These are the individuals, and I'll read it out. These are the spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. The double entendre there was, do they do it? They have no fear. They're aware that they're unsaved. They're, un- they're amongst you. They know they're spreading deceit and dissension, but they're doing it without fear. They're, 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 they're smiling and they're, they're having their sandwich and they're eating that in front of you. The double entendre there is they are without fear. They are without a reverence towards God. Let's flip this article here now. Now we're talking about fear in the context of what we're to be doing for others. where to have mercy with fear. Whose fear? Is it our fear of these individuals that have crept in? Is it a fear of what they're promoting? Or is it a fear of the sin that we might fall into? And what I would like to, to flip to, and again, with all the references here, I'll read it out. But, but again, a, a, a proofing Bible and Scripture with Scripture. <coughs> Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, those that are saved, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That's the fear. These individuals are coming close. They, 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 and again, we'll get to the garment polluted by the flesh. These guys are borderline. They are, they are teetering on the edge here. And if we're to go after and save them, We need to be mindful, and we need to be strong. We need to go back to verse twenty in Jude twenty and twenty one, and we need to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. If we're not steadfast in our understanding of the Bible, and we're not steadfast in our salvation, and we're not steadfast in what the truth is for us, and we're not steadfast in our understanding of ourselves as a servant, as a slave of of Jesus, and we're not understanding, and we're not we're not observant of what that means for us and what God would have us do, and in, in, in our prayer life and we're not keeping ourselves in the love of God that keeping ourselves in the love of God was an understanding of his commandments and a following and, 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 and adoration to those commandments and we're not looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 6 lest thou also be tempted. If we're going after these individuals if we're, if we're, if we're going into these places if we're going after these individuals that have gone so far away from the God's word or that have been corrupted or are walking away we need to be mindful that they don't take us with us. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. This is this concept of fear. It's not a fear of, of those individuals. If we're steadfast in our love and our, and our understanding of, the, of God, we don't have anything to fear. Our salvation is complete. The, the day that it was done, that the, the, the Lord made that sacrifice for us the day that we accepted that gift and as we've seen multiple times in Jude on the day of his return it is a complete salvation it requires nothing on our behalf other than an acceptance of the fact that it had nothing to do with us and that it was done on our behalf but we need to be mindful that if we're not steadfast in that resolve we can be taken along that path with them that is the fear that we're talking about here now we're also talking about a garment here uh, this is an undergarment worn next to the skin. I don't need to go any detail there. You can think of it as a singlet, underwear, whatever it might be. That's the context of, of, of the clothing we're talking about here. It's not a garment. It's not an outer garment. It's not a cape. It's not a, it's not a lovely hat. These are the things that sit next to us. These are, these are the intimate uh, uh, clothing. Uh, this is the garment that we're talking about specifically in relation to this. And then we're talking about being polluted um, by the flesh. The flesh here, is, again, is another double entendre. We can have it in the physical sense, in John 3, 6. Uh, no, I didn't do those ones. We can look those up in our own time. <laughs> in the physical sense, this flesh, this, it is our body. It is polluted by the flesh. It is also in a, spiritual, a somewhat spiritual sense, as in regards to human nature. Look at Romans 8, 3-8. I'm sure I highlighted these ones. I did not. My apologies. Um, we can look them up. I don't want to be flipping through because we've got lots of references to get through still. Um, but it, it, take one word for it. Again, write these down. Look it up in your own time. This is what Jude's asking us to do. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God. We need to understand what He's after. Let's do some. Let's do some work. Let's not. Let's let's do our Bible study on the back of this. So, this concept here, as 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 awful as it might sound in the context of reading a Bible and again looking at it looking at it uh, directly in the King James, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. These are soiled undergarments. This is, this, is, this is not something that we really want to talk about being involved with. It is, a, it is an uncomfortable thing to talk about here. Um, it is as close to being a, a, you know, a, a bit of disgusting imagery as we can. And we've seen all this, this wonderful imagery and positive and negative thrown throughout Jude. Um, what we're talking about here, pu- pulling them out of fire, but we had a hate. Hate is, is the word here. This is another imperative verb that, that doesn't appear much in the New Testament. But when it does, it's always in relation to sin. We are to hate the garment spotted by the flesh. We are to we are to hate the sin and love the sinner. Is is as simple as a translation as I can get for that. And it, I feel like that oversimplifies it, um, but but it's it's a vulgar uh, highlight of the of the abhorrent nature of sin. It is it is sin we're talking about here. That is that is the garment. It is coming close to us. <coughs> it is it is it is touching us, and it has it has tainted us. And we are to hate that aspect of, of these individuals. We are to hate the sin, not the individual uh, or an aspect of the individual. We are hate, hate the sin and love the sinner is, is the simplest way that I guess I can, I can translate that one or, or bring that into a, into a real world context here. So we need to have mercy, even for these individuals, for these individuals that are sitting there in the filth of their sin, that are, that are wallowing in it, that are sitting there. Now, the interesting thing is, through the entirety of Jude, from verse 5 to 14, and I had it highlighted and read and underlined on many, many slides. I had God divine, God's divine judgment, if you remember, and I had multiple scripture verses for what happened to all of these individuals, from Cain to, to Korah uh, to... to, to uh, everyone's flown out of my mind now... Um, Uh, Sorry, I'm going to have to look. Uh, uh, Balaam, that was the one I was trying to remember. From Cain to Balaam to Korah to to the Israelites in the wilderness to the positive example from Michael to Sodom and Gomorrah. God's divine judgment was executed at each one of these points. It was varying in severity, but sin was all dealt with. It was punishment that was to come off the back of that. So... I'm going to steal a bit of Jude's terminology here from, uh, from the beginning um, uh, of, of verse 5. I'll say I'll put you in remembrance. I need to remind us of some of these things and I'll go over them very quickly. But again, we had a triplet in verse 2 of mercy, peace and love. These are gifts of grace. They are not self-acquired. We cannot receive these on our own regardless of all of the philosophers that we looked at in one of our sessions, all of the things that we have. My truth, this is, this is my interpretation of it. This is my, No, 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 no. Nothing's done on our own. It's all complete in the Lord. And the grace gifts that we have here are not self-acquired. We receive mercy from the Lord. We're able to then understand and have this concept of peace in God. And then that love that comes into us can be then pushed out as a brotherly love into society, in in for others, whether that be other saved individuals or people that are not. The order is important here. But then when we came to the personal exhortations in 20 to 21, we had the three things that we're to be doing, these imperative verbs of praying, keeping, and looking. He had effectively, w- w- without having a Trinitarian theology, had called out the three aspects of God and tied them to those, the Holy Ghost, God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and then effectively echoed the three grace gifts through those. We've got love specifically referenced, mercy specifically referenced, and we, as we looked at, as we did with verse 2, this peace that comes from this communion with God. We can't have the communion with God until we've had mercy, but then when we come to this triplet, we've got mercy at the end. Okay, so he's, 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 he's flipped them. He could have written these in the same order, but he hasn't. He's put this one last. Now, at the very beginning of it, again, we're talking to saved individuals. We receive mercy from the Lord. But the execution or the completion of that mercy doesn't occur until this second coming in that point of judgment. We are all to be judged. Don't get it confused. We're not, we don't get a get-out-of-jail-free ticket in its entirety. We do from hell, but we don't get a pass on judgment. That judgment is still there for us. There is a day of judgment. We will be standing before a throne and we will be very aware of what has happened. But at the last minute, and I can't read it because it, it gets to me every time, but verse 24 is what highlights that, and I, I can't do it today. Uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> sorry, it's, it's an emotional one for me. But, but he is going to, st- the Lord, Jesus Christ, is going to step in on our behalf. That judgment is for us, that's there. That was always on us. But from the moment that Christ died for us, that was was absolved. But the judgment's still there. We just have an intermediary that steps in between and takes that for us. It is a wonderful thing that he's done that, but it is to be known that that judgment is coming. And that's what I want to highlight here. Verse 14 to 15, and we looked at it in great detail, and we had a look at the book of Enoch, And he quoted it. Jude quoted it directly, but there were some very specific changes he made. There were three elements to the quote: there was a destruction, a judgment, a conviction. But Jude left out the comment on destruction. He left in judgment and conviction, but destruction he left out. It was a very deliberate move. He changed some other things. He changed the context of First Enoch from uh, from from his coming, uh, as in having been accomplished in First Enoch. But he changed it to Behold the Lord is coming. It is a future tense that he used and he stressed that it was expected and certain. It is an expected and certain return of Jesus Christ. In the, in the, in the prophecy of Enoch, the, the way that it was written and the context in which he was talking about, it had already, been, it had already happened. Judah flipped it to say that it's coming. There's another reference that he, uh, that he flipped that's not up on the screen, <coughs> which is um, uh, to convince. So that is in, sorry, uh, verse 15 when he's quoting, to execute judgment on all and to convince all. Um, That is is the concept of convicting them of their sin. He's changed that to a future tense as well, from the original quotation that exists in the book of Enoch. Now, why has all of this happened? So, destruction has been left in in all of the Old Testament verses, from 5 to 14. In every reference historically, from 5 to 14, destruction is explicitly called out. What happens to the, the Egyptians? They were destroyed in verse 5. In verse 16, the angels are left in everlasting chains. In verse 7, Sodom and Gomorrah uh, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Uh, Verse 11, and we looked at it, going in the way of Cain, running greedily after the error of Balaam, and perishing in the gainsaying of Kor. Three words of destruction. We went into great detail on all of those. But having gone in the way, running greedily in the error, and perished in the gainsaying, three forms of destruction for three forms of sin. But then, when we come to 15 to 19, which is the prophetic elements of it—Enoch's prophecy and the apostolic prophecies—destruction's left out. Judgment's not, but destruction is. Okay. So, in all the prophetic literature, destruction is omitted. Now, why is that? <coughs> oh, that was meant to be um, some some slowing down in there. Um, I didn't mean the whole screen to come up at once. Why is it left out? Well, that judgment is coming, but the destruction is not necessarily for the individuals that are alive today. These individuals have already perished in their sin. This is all historical. It's all Old Testament, and it goes way, way back. But he has been very specific to turn everything from verse 15 to 19 into forward-looking. And that is what we are to be doing at the end of verse 21, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That mercy is there for anyone that will attain it, and anyone that is alive today, whether they're dead in their sin or they're saved, can be saved. They are, if they are saved already, they are not losing it. But those individuals that might be dead in their sin that are alive today, we still have the ability to reach out to them and that is what Jude is asking us to do from verse 22 to 23. And how are we to do it? Not under our own abilities, but from verse 20 to 21, in, in, in the full Godhead, in all three aspects of God, we are to be doing something, praying, keeping and looking, and through that understanding and from building ourselves up in your most holy faith we are to be able to do great things in his name not under our own but we are able to help bring that word to them that truth to them so the divine judgment that exists in all of the historical examples has already occurred the judgment is coming and jude doesn't shy away from that 15 to 19 there's judgment throughout that to execute judgment upon all Right In verse 15 is how it opens. And To convince them, to, 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 to convict people of their sin is what he's doing. But the punishment of it is not known. Only God knows that. Only God knows who's going to be saved and who's not. And those individuals that reach out and take his hand will be saved. We can promote that. We can't save them under our own volition, but that is what we are to do. So it's a very specific thing that I wanted to bring up in relation to the prophetic things. The destruction... It'll be there for everyone that's in their sin. That's already known. We've got that in all the historics. If you die in your sin, destruction is going to be upon you. But if you could be saved from now until then, and who knows how long we've got. If you're in that situation right now, it's not, there's no time like the present. There is only the present because you've got no guarantee of a minute after that or a second after that. So if you don't know, if you've got doubts, if you know of others that have doubts, how are we to do it? Oh, we've, we've gone a little over. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go through it because I think it's, it's important to keep it. How are we to do it? How we contend to our faith? Well, we've got turning the grace gifts of mercy, peace and love from verse two, not into lasciviousness as these other have in verse four, but use them to build up your most holy faith. With firm conviction on God's word, right? So an understanding of his word, we can then extend those three things, mercy, peace and love towards others. <coughs> We'll look at Second Timothy four thirteen to seventeen. My apologies, that is the wrong reference. Well, I was on a roll. My apologies. Sorry, it should be two. Two fourteen to thirteen. So sorry, correct that one to a two, uh, if you're taking notes. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun the profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. <clears throat> and it should end at sixteen. What are we talking about here? If you have an understanding of the word, you don't need to worry about the things that are ungodly that Jude's been talking about repeatedly through this. We can stand on his word and we can extend that to others. I'll come back to the rest of this next time because we are running out of time. But if you've got a pen and paper and you want to write these down, it would be beneficial for you, I think, to review these. And maybe this is why we've run out of time, to review these in your own time. But how do we extend our grace gifts? We've got a reference from Timothy. Be gentle, be patient. This isn't an argument. Again, refer back to verse 9 in Jude. Michael doesn't argue with the devil. That's not what we're there for. Now, I've got a question for everyone. Everyone above a certain age has been through some level of schooling, whether it be an educational system, at home, uh, in, in the workplace. The individuals that you remember and respect and the individuals that you might have less kind feeling towards When you were lost in an understanding of something, the individuals that reached out their hand and assisted you with that, I'm pretty sure they hold a pretty special place in your heart. The individuals that chided you, that derided you, that that forced you out of just, you need to learn this, I'm pretty sure they sit in a different spot in your heart. We're to be doing the same with our education of the Lord. We're not to be slapping people on the back of the, the hand. We're not to be deriding them. We're not to be undermining them. We're not to be standing on a platform above them, talking down to them. Don't you know what you've done wrong? You don't understand this? You don't. No, no, no. Take them by the hand and show them. And If they don't get it the first time, show them again. Have mercy, have compassion, have tenderness. That's how we save. It's not an argument. Michael didn't argue with the devil. Wasn't interested in that. Knew his place. We aren't to have an argument with these people. We're to be saving them or helping to say helping them to bring to the lord salvation <clears throat> again a reference from second timothy be a faithful servant this is what we're supposed to do this isn't an instruction that's just hey it would be good to do if you've got some time this is our job we are servants of the lord we are slaves of the lord we are to be faithful servants so we are to be faithful slaves first peter but we need to be sober and vigilant this concept of fear creeps in again right our enemy is there's a roaring lion and he wants to devour us. We need to be mindful of that. The things that I wanted to cover and I I left it last week was who should we we extend our mercy to and I asked a very poignant question, I'm not even going to get it today, which was would we put the interlopers that we've looked at, these individuals that stand in opposition of the word, are we including them in the individuals that we should save? Now, I didn't have an answer for you then, and I'm not going to have one for you today, but homework for everyone, and I'll go through it again next week. God's divine judgment, okay? The judgment ends in either condemnation or mercy. The judgment's coming. There's two spots. We're either on the condemnation train or we're on the mercy train. And I know which one uh, I'm on, and I know the one that I want everyone to be on. But the judgment's coming. What uh, What I'd love everyone to do in their own time is read Psalm 103, verse 12 to 22. And Zechariah three one to five. Off the back of those two, I then recontextualise this question, and, and I'll, I'll put it to a, the crowd next week as to whether or not we would include the interlopers that we've spoken about time and time again in the group of individuals that we should be extending our mercy to. Um, but uh, there's a little clue here down the bottom. There is always mercy. Okay. So I'll leave it there, and we'll, we'll finish it off. Uh, we'll finish it off next week. But uh, I'll end it in word of prayer. Um, and then we can be dismissed. Uh, dear Lord, thank you again for, uh, for another Sunday morning. I uh, thank you that you've, you've brought a, a group of individuals that, uh, that hopefully needed to hear some of the things that were, were discussed this morning. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would bless these words, that, uh, that some of us will be able to take it home and study in our own time and come to a deeper understanding of, of you, what you would have us do for you, and um, what you would have us do for others. Thank you, Lord, that, that others' salvation isn't reliant upon what we do, that we do have works to perform in relation to that, but that salvation is complete and only in your hands, that, uh, that we would not be a stumbling block to others, that it would always be through your divine judgment that we would see mercy rather than condemnation. I pray, Lord, that, uh, that we will be able to take this away um, and make application for it in our lives. I pray for the, the service coming up today. That, uh, that again, it would continue to be edifying for those that would hear, uh, whether here in person or online. And I pray, Lord, for uh, for all of the uh, the, the business meeting um, items that we've got on this afternoon. That uh, that again, um, that it would be uh, a furtherance for Your Word, and that uh, that it, nothing would be a stumbling block unto uh, to a pronunciation of Your truth to others. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen.